at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, June 30th, 2023, and we have completed the second quarter. We're now halfway through the year, and we'll see how our GDP number comes out in the next few weeks, probably about three weeks from now. Uh, the second quarter final, the first quarter final revision GDP was better than expected, up two percent from one point three percent growth. Two percent—that that was—that's a pretty big jump. So I'm going to talk about that and what that might mean for the Fed in, in a little bit. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm here today to help you become a better investor. That's my job. That's what we do this show for—to help you be better at investing your funds. If you want to do it yourself. And I see nothing wrong with that. I see, I think people can do it. I think they should do it. I don't have an issue with that. I want to help you. It's, it's you know, it, the hard work is getting the data and having the time. It's not hard work understanding how the stock market actually, stocks go up. It's very simple. Stocks go up when earnings go up. That's it. That's it. In a nutshell, that's it. Now, the imperfection comes is that they don't go up in lockstep. They don't go up when earnings go up at the same time. They don't do that. Many times it's a delay. Sometimes it's way in advance. And sometimes the investors get it wrong. Uh, they don't. They, the earnings didn't go up as much as they expected, or the earnings went up a lot more than expected. You have all those other things that come into play. But basically, stocks go up when earnings go up. That's really what you need to know. So, make sure you buy stocks that have earnings. Now, can stocks go up when there's no earnings? Yes, because the stock market is an open cry market, meaning people can push prices up and push them down for any reason whatsoever. If people call out a price, they'll pay it or not pay it. Open. No one sets the price. People set the price. Investors do. Buyers and sellers set the price. Anyways, I'm Steve Peasley. <laughs> so I got, I just got, I, that was a tangent, everybody. I got off on a tangent. But this show is a call-in show, and you set the table. You drive the show. You tell me where you want to go and what you want to talk about. long as it's financial, I'm with you on that. My focus point today, the U.S. yield curve inversions have deepened on strong U.S. data and a hawkish Fed stance. Meaning, yeah, I remember when I was very, very, very young, I said, what's hawkish mean? What's dovish mean? I, you know, when very, well, probably in my early 20s, I didn't know what that meant. Hawkish means, the Fed is very hawkish, means they're going to raise rates. Or they're, 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 you know, forcing the rates higher. Dovish means they don't get, they're not getting involved. They're letting the rates go f f soft. 
So anyways, they're hawkish right now. We know that. They didn't raise rates in the last meeting, but they're probably going to raise in the next meeting next month. So that's why my focus point is today. Time permitting, I also talk about uh, some key inflation gauge and why this is probably making the Fed more hawkish. Uh, also, baby boomers. You know those people that are born between 1946 and 1964? I'm in that group, right in the middle of that group. That's me. Baby boomers, you know how much money they have saved? Not including, and I'll deduct the uh, the value of their property. You know how much money they got just to spend? Well, we're going to talk about that. Supreme Court, student loan forgiveness. Well, they made the decision. I'm sure you probably heard, but if not, I'm going to bring it up. And do you know you can buy property with as little as $100? Okay, now you can't buy the whole property, but you can buy shares of that property. You know how to do that? This is a company Jeff Bezos started, you know. For those people who want to actually physically own a piece of property, you can do it. So I'll talk about that a little bit. Not a long conversation, but I'll give you some information. So we got lots of stuff to do, as usual. Uh, I also have voice bank calls, rental properties insurance, which kind of ties into one of my talking points. Aon, Aon Inc., someone wants to know something about that. And it is Friday, and since it is Friday, the KPB Premium Newsletter was finished today, and we'll go out to subscribers tomorrow morning. So we'll talk about that a little bit before the end of the show. So we have a lot of stuff planned, and the market itself has had a great day today. Dow up 285 points, NASDAQ 197, and the S&P up 54. So a pretty broad move upward. Upward. So let's go ahead and get started and take our first call for the day. Let's talk to Tim, who lives in Kentucky. Hi, Tim. Hey, Steve. I wanted to look at Warner Brothers Discovery. I got it in the spinoff from AT&T, and I got pretty big losses in it. And I just wanted to see if you see any hope or if I should just go ahead and take my losses and do you, do you look have for the losses, something better. Do you have the losses in a taxable account or non-taxable account? No, it's no, it's in a Roth IRA, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. Okay, bummer. So taking the losses doesn't help you to apply for the future gains because it's you don't have to pay taxes on in a Roth. Okay, so it's just a matter, is this company worth it? Okay, Warner Brothers, everybody, WBD. Offers original and purchase programming to the media and entertainment industries in the U.S. It's a big company, $30.5 billion. Their stock is at $12.54. Uh, their earnings are going to shrink $0.48. Cents, shrink. They're going to lose $0.48 cents a share. And then they're going to make $0.47 cents a share next year, next year, 2024. But even then, though, it's not worth a lot of money. Um, why? Because... For forty-seven cents, and a twenty PE is only like nine, ten dollars, and it's at twelve fifty-four. And does it deserve a twenty PE? No, they got lots of debt. Um, if if you were really infinitely patient, years down the road, five years maybe, this stock will be hot, much higher than it is today. But you're gonna have to be pretty darn patient. And just hold on to it. Because I do think that they have a value that's higher than it is. And they they were making 2 $3 a share at one point, and now they're not. So, and they're spun off on their own. So, But I think they have a good value. 
but I just don't think it's worth more than what they're trading at. So if it was me, I'd probably take the loss and, and put my money, which I think is dead for a while, into something that's more lively that would do better. So I, I'd probably take the loss. Sorry, Tom. Thank you for the Thanks, call. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It's a fast-moving Friday, as they all are. A fast-moving week this week, really. The market is constantly changing. Remember, we have a shortened week next week, 4th of July weekend. Well, not weekend, but 4th of July next week. So, you know, the market always changes, and you probably have financial investment questions that you'd like to answer. And remember, you set the program, you set the agenda, and you can call and ask any question you want. 888-99-CHART. When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap because there's a lot of regulatory risk. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson Food, this is where I'd buy it. Benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24 7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99CHART. building your financial future, but you must have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Okay, my focus point today is about a story about the yield curve. You know, I've talked, uh, probably, you're probably tired of me talking about it, but it's a very important indicator for the economy and therefore for the stock market. So the U.S. yield curve inversions deepen on hawkish Fed and strong economic data. Okay, inversions. Now we're talking about the one-year compared to the 30-year, the most uh, durable yield curve inversion that projects uh, uh, economic uh, slowdown is the 2- and 10-year, 2-year Treasury versus the 10-year Treasury. And when they say that the yield curve steepened means that that the 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 the, uh, the difference between the two and the ten and the one and the thirty, those got bigger, inverted bigger. What does that really tell you? Well, it tells you that the 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 chances of an economic slowdown is gaining steam meaning gaining traction. More people believe it's going to happen. Remember, these yield curves and conversions, it's all about people. The Fed doesn't set the, these these yields. They don't. People do. You do. Investors do. The the big houses do. They set all these yields. They're, they're supply and demand driven. Simple as that. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. So what's a little distressing is that the difference of these two are 
the, the inversion is pretty, one of the highest it's ever been. Now, it's difficult because the Federal Reserve lowered interest rates to zero during COVID, right? We've never had that happen ever before. So now we're, we're dealing with all this unusual after effects, unintended consequences, and this inverted yield curve could be an unintended consequence, but the steepness of it as it gets deeper means, means more and more people are worried about it. I mean, the two-year and 10-year version is nearly 107 basis points. And I remember, do you know what 107 basis points means? I'm sorry, one a hundred, uh, that means 1.07% difference between the two. In other words, the two-year pays 1.07% more in dividend and yield than the 10-year. And it should be the opposite. 10-year paying more than the, the longer term, generally in a normal economic environment, normal money environment out there. The longer the the bond, the more it pays. Shorter bonds will always pay less than longer bonds, unless we have an inversion, and that is usually caused by people worrying about a recession. And it got steeper, and it got near a record level. I'm not so panicked about a record level, but getting steeper, the act of getting steeper worries me. It's not improving. It's getting worse. That's what that means. Okay, so let's keep moving and fit in another investor caller question. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin, long-time listener here. I had an offer from E-Trade for in my brokerage account to buy Verizon stock on an odd lot offer to sell or buy voluntary. Wasn't sure what that means or if there's any advantage to it or if you should just ignore it. So I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. Okay, maybe we should talk about what odd lot means. Uh, odd lot in a stock offering or anything to do with stocks offering odd lots. Okay, odd lots are those, most stocks trade in increments of 100. 100 shares, 200 shares, 1,000 shares, 10,000 shares. That is not, that's the normal even lots, okay? Even lots. Odd lot means they have 31 shares they need to get rid of. They got 12 shares. They got three. They got 3.7 shares. How can you have 0.7 shares? Well, you can because if you're a dividend reinvestment, a drip, you reinvest all the dividends and you buy fractional shares. So an odd lot offering, in other words, they just want to get rid of their odd lots because brokerage firms have to, you know, they don't trade in odd lots. So they, but they are forced, if they're going to be on the stock exchange, they are forced to buy odd lots when they're offered out there. So they just want to even up the lot. That's all that means. It, it doesn't benefit you. It doesn't hurt you. It does nothing for you, good or bad. Okay? We're going to take a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on Invest Talk Voice Bank or. If you're listening live via streaming or on AM 1220 out of Silicon Valley area, you can call right now, 888-99-CHART.
each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99 Chart. 888-992-4278. We're going to to go over some of the uh, numbers. I do that on Fridays, as you know. Uh, Two-year treasury yield, 4.866. 10-year treasury, 3.813. As I pointed out, that's a big difference. That's a record difference. And just remember, you know, it wasn't that long ago when the two-year was like, 0.64, 0.64, not 4.8. So in less than a year and a half, it's fallen 4.2, it's gone up 4.2%. And the 10-year was 3.8, same period as the, when the two-year was 0.64, the 10-year was at 1.76. Normal yield curve, where the short-term is higher, or the short-term yield on a treasury is lower than the long-term treasury. That's normal, 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 normal. Now, it's not. And it was, I think, last July when it inverted, a year ago. Inverted. Now, Every time the two-year has inverted with the 10-year, a recession followed. Every time. Every time. I think it's been like 19 times. So it's not like, you know, the statistic has, you know, been tested over hundreds and hundreds of times of inversion. No, hasn't. So that's why you can't just say, well, that's always going to be that way. You don't have enough data points. Okay? But. It is telling. It is significant, and I think it's important that you know what's going on. Chances of us going into recession are pretty high, even though there's no reason for us to do so. Statistically, you know, unemployment's very low, and people got lots of money. There's really no reason for it, really. But... You know, all it takes is for the consumer to freak out and stop spending, and boop, we're in a recession. Remember, our economy is 66% consumer-driven. Okay? Gold, $1,919 an ounce. Okay? Uh, 70 weeks ago, it was 1800 so it's only gone up 100 bucks or so uh, in, what, a year and a half? What's that? 1%? Not a very good return, right? Not. Silver, $22.77 an ounce, and it was $23.94 a year over a year ago. So it's actually gone down in value. And what makes it so unusual is at a time when inflation spiked almost, what, to 9%? And gold and silver, meh, sloughed it off. Hmm. Very unusual. Gasoline, Deb, you notice a barrel of gasoline these days is getting pretty uh, low. It's $70.49. It got below that earlier this week. Last week was $69. At $69, $70, I mean, a, a year and a half ago, it was 66 So it hasn't gone up much. And therefore, gasoline prices should be coming down. I haven't seen that here in California. Nationwide, gasoline prices are... 
$3.54. Here in California, I'm paying over 5 bucks because of uh, higher taxes here, more restrictions on gasoline and oil. Uh, we have to change formulas during the summer for some reason that I don't, I still can't figure out why they need to do it or why they even think about doing it and why we're still using ethanol and I don't, when that's costly and you don't get as good mileage using, I mean, there's, it's on and on and on why California pays higher gasoline taxes when they probably shouldn't. Anyways. Okay. Okay, um, the key inflationary gauge today was the the thing that the Fed likes to look at the most called the personal consumption expenditures, uh, the PCE. The, um, this fell to the lowest in two years, meaning inflation has gone down. PCE r- rose 3.8% in May year over year. Okay, so it's only up 3.8% from a year ago. In May. Now, in April, it was 4.4%. So it went down. The rate of inflation moved downward. Okay? Now, month over month, it was only up one-tenth of 1%. But what is telling and why the Fed's probably going to continue to raise rates, even though inflation appears to be on the top line number, getting to it. Remember, they want the rates to be 2%. That's their target, right? But... If you take out food and gasoline, called the core inflation PCE rate, it's 4.6%. That is the fifth straight month in a row where it was either up 4.6 or 4.7 year over year. So the core inflation rate is very, very sticky. Inflation is still pretty high on the core level. It's not coming down. So most of the reason why the inflation came down is because of gasoline prices coming down. Not here in California, by the way. Okay, we're headed into another break. I'm sorry about that. Uh, it's coming soon. Excerpts from the KPP Premium Newsletter. Of course, I welcome all your finance and investment questions. I really do want them. So it's time now to ask and call Talk 888-99-CHART. Let's say... You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. building your financial future, but you must have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. This is Becky in Kansas City, and I am a landlord. My question has to do with insuring residential rental properties and I'm wondering about going with uh, liability only on them. It just seems like the uh, profits are being becoming less and less because the taxes are going higher and higher and the insurance rates are going higher and higher on the properties, but the rents haven't gone up. So I was trying to figure out if we could cut back on the amount of insurance we have on the rental properties. Some say just have liability only. What's your opinion? Love your show. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Now, I've had numerous rental properties in my career. I sold all my rental properties. I had about six. I sold them all in 2004. I think it was 2004. can't remember exactly. Anyways, so I know quite a bit about this because I also started my career in insurance business. So I do have knowledge about this. You have to have liability insurance. And if I were you, I would carry a primary liability policy and then maybe look into an umbrella policy on top of that. So in other words, maybe 300,000 or 100,000 liability insurance and then have an umbrella policy on top of that. The reason why I'm suggesting that is many times that's cheaper 
than buying just a flat-out million-dollar liability policy. Sometimes it's cheaper when you buy the two policies. The two premiums are cheaper than the one. So you might want to check into that. As far as buying uh, fire insurance, property insurance, from a place to burn down, well, that's a big risk that you're taking, and I'm not sure how much money you would save, but you're taking that risk of if the place burns down, you now have no ability to rent the place out until you build it back up and you don't have insurance benefits to do so. Frankly, and remember, you're renting the property and renters are not as careful. I'm not saying they're going to burn down your property. They're just not as careful as owners in their own property. So there's more risk there. So the risk is that renters does something to your property and it's, you know, uh, not insured. The other risk, of course, is a hurricane or, you know, some natural disaster coming through. And that that risk is something you can e- deal with easier because, you know, what, and that wherever that rental property is, you can just know what the weather conditions are over a long period of time. Also, fire is the most normal hazard. The most normal risk risk in in a property, and if you're in a very hazardous fire area like in Southern California where there's brush fires and it's going to be a bad fire season this year, um, I would has I I really don't like the idea. I think you should keep your property insurance. That's what I'm saying. Okay. The KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today, and we'll go out tomorrow to subscribers. In the morning, in the morning. I have a preview for you. Under the market conditions section, remember there's four sections. And the first main section is called market conditions. And I state, U.S. equities closed higher today with S&P 500 up 1.22%, while the Russell 2000, a common U.S. Com small cap benchmark, was up 0.38. Isn't that interesting? So the S&P 500, which are known are the bigger companies, was up much stronger than the small cap companies. This ends another positive week for the S&P 500. I'll bet another week with a concentrated rally in large cap tech stops. And you've heard me talk about that. You know, the large cap, the Apple and Microsoft, these trillion dollar cap companies are driving the large indexes. They're driving it. Without them, the indexes wouldn't be up or be close to being flat. I don't know exactly because I haven't done the study there. The U.S. Treasury curve flattened as well, and I just talked about that. The dollar index was down four-tenths of one percent, and the West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil closed back above $70. It was below 70 this week. The Conference Board's monthly survey on consumer confidence was reported Tuesday, showing a gain of seven points as the index rose to 109.7 in June. The metric's highest level in a year and a half, and much higher than economists had forecast. There is a fading expectation of a deep recession, and the growing belief in the possibility of a soft landing. Now, I never did think there would be a deep recession. As you know, if you listen to the show, I've always predicted I thought we were going to have a recession this year, and that I do think that the stock market will rally by the end of the year. Here we are, the stock market has already rallied. I have a feeling that we might get a pullback here during the summer. Wouldn't be unusual. On the bearish side, okay. On the bearish side of the con- of the coin, let's see. Let me, let me make sure. Yeah. 
Uh, the Fed continued to push higher for a longer policy narrative as Chairman Powell announced the possibility that the central bank would hike two consecutive meetings. Two times. They're saying they're going to hike it two times. What he said. Overall, the first half of 2023 finished on a positive note. There's a lot more commentary and detail in the newsletter, everybody. In the stock ideas section, I listed two companies. I always do every time, every week, give you two equities that you can invest in. The first one, a company that is an American diversified metals manufacturing business focused on value-added steel processing and manufactured metal products. As an established player, the company has economies of scale, industry relationships, and operational efficiencies that contribute to its competitive advantage. Valuation looks attractive. Debt levels are pretty low with a debt-to-equity ratio of 0.5. Okay. Um, uh, we also looked at a supplier of carbon black, a solid form of carbon produced as powder or pellets. The company's operating segments are specialty carbon black and rubber carbon black. The specialty carbon black segment is used as pigments and performance additives in coatings, polymers, printing, and special applications. The stock has a nice pullback to a current support level of $21 a share and is trading at a PE of 11. Debt is a little high, but it can easily be managed. It's, you know, the company can manage the debt low with a 4.6% interest coverage ratio. And, of course, we name names in the newsletter. We give you who they are. I can't give them over the air, by the way. It's not me. I would be happy to do it, but the SEC says, nope. They have a rule saying you have to know your customer. And here we are. If you manage money, if you or your company manages money, you cannot just blurt out things to buy and sell over the airways to, to or even on the Internet. You just can't do that because there's a rule that says you must know your customers. And we don't know anything about the people listening. We just know they're listening. That's why you have to make you know specific when you're a fiduciary, which we are, you have to take into consideration the person that you're managing money for. We can't do that on the radio, can we? Or in podcasts, can't. Of course, I'm gonna. You know, we also looked at a. You know, I I I gave just a sample teaser of the KPP news letter. That's what we do on Fridays. Just give you a little teaser. You can order your own. You know, there's also the portfolio management section, which teaches you how to manage your portfolio. A consumer watch section, and of course, you can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Investtalk.com with two T's investtalk.com baby boomers those of us born between 1946 and 1964 have a net worth of 74.8 trillion dollars 19 of that 74 trillion is in real estate okay so that's kind of tied up money that means they have a lot of cash actually in banks bank deposits and money market they have $8.9 trillion. Why am I even bringing this up? Baby boomers have enough money to keep the economy going. And they're starting to spend it because they're starting to get into retirement. Even those before born before 1946, remember from 1946 to 64 is baby boomers, which is the largest and wealthiest group 
that's going to now start spending money. But even those are older, they're spending their money before 1946, born before 1946. They have $18 trillion, $18 trillion with a T. All people, all people have in total in the United States, $140 trillion, $140 trillion. 74.8 is in the baby boomers' hands. Why is this important? Do you know how big our economy is, how much how, how, uh, GDP, how big that number is? It's around $21 trillion a year, okay? And it's growing every year slowly, usually. So think about that. They have, baby boomers have $74 trillion. What if they spend just 10%? That's $7.4 trillion added to whatever is normally spent. You see, so this is very supportive of the economy and the stock market. Why the stock market? Because they're not putting that money in the stock market. They're spending it. Those companies, they're spending on whatever. And, of course, that means whatever they're spending on, that company who makes that whatever it is they're spending on makes money. Earnings. Remember what I said at the top of the show? Earnings drive stock prices. Eventually, everything boils down to earnings. Okay, let's swing back to an Investoc Voice Bank. This question came in earlier from Texas, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Austin. I had a friend that had a lot of stock in a company out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Aon, ticker A-A-O-N. He uh, was freaking out about the uh, stock coming down. I seem to think that it looks maybe like a buy opportunity, but wanted to get uh, you guys' professional opinion. Thanks so much for your podcast. It helps me out a lot. Okay, Aon. Uh, they are in out of Tulsa. They are uh, building air conditioning and heating products. Manufactures heating, ventilation, air conditioning equipment for the industrial and construction industries. It's a $5.1 billion company, so it's a mid-cap. Stock is at $94.81. It's expensive. I would not be a buyer of this stock at this price. Why is it expensive? Because sales growth has been very good. Now, into the December quarter, the sales growth was 87%. In the March quarter, sales growth was 46%. I'm a little concerned because I think the uh, fact that uh, office buildings are High and higher uh, vacancy rates are meaning that there's not going to be that much more building going on in the future until those vacancies are filled. Therefore, that's going to impact this kind of company. Very economically sensitive. So I think you've seen the top. The stock was over 100 bucks uh, a couple of months ago, three months ago. Now it's 94. I think it's way too much, too pricey for you to buy it here. Now. Don't, don't misunderstand me. This is a very good company. Return equity is 20%. That's very good. Cash flow is $2.54. They're going to make $3.24 next year after making $2.78 this year after making $1.86 last year. Those are very good numbers. The growth is really good. That's why the prices of the stock has been so high. But remember, you don't invest looking in the rearview mirror. You invest looking at the windshield. Look forward. Looking forward, the range of the P.E. ratio is 37 to 67. 
the last five years, 37 to 67. Looking forward, it's going to be even better, be lower than 37. So you're that you and just by that one indicator, you would say, "Hey, this stock looks really good." But I'm looking at the broader picture of where their business growth would be, and that's in industrial, uh, ventilation, manufacturing, and maybe maybe because of the remanufacturing, bringing it back to our shores, maybe they'll do very well. I'm just concerned in the shorter term that. Their sales increase fell from 87% to 46% in one quarter. That's a big drop in one quarter. Growth, the growth. Still growing, growing 46%, but it was growing 87%. You see what I mean? I don't like that direction, and I think it's too expensive. I would not be a buyer at this level. Maybe we can squeeze in another call before we have to take a break. This one from Washington, D.C., Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Brandon in D.C. Um, looking for your thoughts on Meritage Homes Corp, ticker MTH, um, considering the rising mortgage rates. Just wondering if this is a decent stock. So I'll look forward to listening on the podcast. Thank you. Well, it's a very well-run company. Builds single-family detached homes for first and second time move-up buyers in central, western, eastern regions. Central, western, and eastern regions. It's a $5.2 billion company, Meritage Homes. MTH is the symbol. Stock is at $142. They're going to make $15.17 a share this year, $16.48 a share next year. That means the P.E. is like mm, eight-ish. So, uh, pretty low. But the five-year range is 3 to 14. Turn equity is very good at 28%. I would not chase this stock. These are new 52 weeks high. I would not chase it. Uh, uh, it's just something that I would not do, even though I think the company's very good. They don't have much debt. I think it's a very good company. I'd wait for a pullback. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasen. We have one goal here, everybody, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom, meaning you can stop working and do what you want to do. Maybe that's more work, but at least have the choice. Work will continue right after this break. 888 chart. Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is uh, Brady from Columbus, Ohio. I wanted to get your take on Cooper Standard, stock symbol Charlie, Papa, Sierra. Uh, got 500 shares bought within the $9 range and the second set within the $10 range. Uh, just wanted to get your, your status and what you think the health of the company is and where you think it's heading based on fundamentals. Look forward to listening to the podcast. Thank you. Cooper Standard Holdings, I don't know this company at all. It's a very small company, $244 million market cap. So it's a micro-caps company, very small, meaning high risk, okay? Doesn't make money, hasn't made money in years. It's going to lose $5 a share this year, $2.65 a share next year. 
so there's no PE ratio. Uh, what do they do? They manufacture body sealing, 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 S-E-A-L-I-N-G, anti-vibration systems, fluid handling systems, and components for the automotive industry. Okay? Uh, sales. This is, you know, the only reason why you will buy this company is because the sales are going to be very high. Well, the sales aren't, you know, the price to sales ratio is pretty good since they sell about $680 million worth of products each quarter. And sales are growing about, that most recent quarter, which is March, uh, they grew 11%. Before that was 8, before that was 25, before that was 14. And a year ago, their sales were shrinking. So that's probably why it went from a high of $40 all the way down to 4 And now it's been marching its way up over the last year to $14.26. They don't make money, so you know I'm not keen on it. The cash flow is negative as well, and they have huge debt. If I were you, I wouldn't buy more. I'd be selling into this little rally it's giving you. I'd be selling into it. Now, if you have more information than I have here that gives you some better insight that looks really strong, well, then you consider it. But personally, I would be out of this stock on the rise and I got profit in it. It looks like it could get up to the high, mid to high 20s um, because it looks like there's a lot of, uh, there was a lot of support when it came down to it before it collapsed. And that means it's going to be a lot of resistance. And it got up to almost, what, $19, $20 and then fell back down to 10 now it's back up to 14. So you're going to have to be, I think you, you trade it and take profits if you have it. That's what I would do. Thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Okay, the Supreme Court decided the student loan forgiveness that was being pushed by the administration is can't be done. And not because it can't be done. It's because the president can't make that decision. Remember, this, these are these these loans, these student loans are backed by the U.S. government, right? And we, you know, you the, who spends the money here in the United States for the U.S. government? Who spends it? It's the Congress that spends it, not the president. So the president doesn't necessarily have the right to forgive all those loans because they're not, he doesn't have that authority. That's how I interpret this, So, and that's how it looks like it was interpreted. They can't, president can't just forgive all those student loans. Now, what he can do is go to Congress and try to get them to forgive all those loans, and that's possible. And finally, we talked about real estate. Um, um, there's a company called Arrived Homes, Arrived, A-R-R-I-V-E-D, Homes. This company was started by Jeff Bezos. Okay, this is a company that allows you, the investor, to actually own a share of a rental property, single-family home rental property. Okay, so if you, you, can own, you can spend as little as $100 and own part of that property, and you actually will own part of that property, that rental property, and it actually will pay you income. And so it's something that if you wanted to get into ownership of property, this is one way you can do it that's very inexpensive and you don't have to have a lot of money to invest and you can do it. Called Arrived Homes. Look into it. Do your due diligence. But I think it's a good idea, frankly. 
I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you do download us through iTunes, we would like a rating. Please rate us. We're now at 53.6 million downloads, and we certainly would like a lot of ratings to make sure we're on the right track. And if you do rate us and you are downloading our show, Justin, I want to thank you very much. Really, thank you very much. Independent thing you share success. This is InvestTalk. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.